0: Can help our marriages. So I want to start with a message to the ladies tonight. In the spirit of ladies first. <laughs> I promise you if you listen and behave <laughs> that I'll give equal time to the men. No. Partly Why I want to start with this message is there's an astonishing scripture that I want to look at, and this scripture points out that even when the men are not listening to the word of God, and I'm assuming that all the men that are here came because they're willing to listen, we're going to assume that. But in the event that perhaps there have been some men not listening to the word of God, The Bible says that they can be one without the Word of God. And it's the only place in Scripture where it says something like that. And so i want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. So two things are going to get done tonight. One, I'm going to help the ladies, and two, uh, I'm going to soften up the beaches, amen, for the men, hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 3. My second daughter, I remember uh, her first crush. She was five years old. (laughs) And she fell for an older man. He was seven. The scenario was like this. This family moved in next door. They had a boy that was a little bit older. And one day they were out playing And my daughter apparently got a bug in her eye. She began to cry out in pain, and this boy rushed over and got the bug out of her eye. She was smitten. (laughs) I'm serious. And I'm talking to her as a father will. And I'm trying to explain to her about being too young to be thinking about boys. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes with the most profound sincerity that I have ever seen and said, but Dad, I love him. (laughs) I love him. years old that was my daughter's first experience with which is actually the title of my sermon I want to preach a sermon called my hero first Peter chapter 3 let's read verse 1 through 7 women likewise be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word they without the word may be won by the conduct of the wives When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing of gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of this life, that your prayers be not hindered. My hero. I want to look, first of all, at men and the damsel in distress. Most people in our generation need a good review on the differences between men and women. Our text is filled with revelation and instruction. We could call this Gender 101. And I want to look at out of the text that there are a couple things the Bible says that will call out the best in men. Verse 7, it says, Husbands, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. So one of the things that touches deep in in masculinity is the sense that their role is to be the protector and the provider of the wives, knowing that the wife is the more vulnerable vessel and that she needs her man. Verse 1 and 2 is the sense that women then are in submission and allow the man to lead the family and for the wife to simply treat her man with respect. Both men and women are created with natural tendencies, and both are happiest when they're acting on them. Somebody said, women have a hunger for being protected and cared for whether they admit it or not. But dad, I love him. That is a microcosm of my sermon right here. Men are wired to save the damsel in distress. Women are wired to respond to her knight in shining armor. And when this is in place, women are happy and feel secure, and men will rise up to the best they can be. There's an old word called chivalry. This is the qualities of an ideal knight, the knight in shining armor. Chivalry is the combination of qualities expected in the ideal medieval knight, especially courage, honor, loyalty, and consideration for others, especially women. Somebody put it this way, men are doers, simple straight line types. The reason they have a tendency to rescue damsels in distress is because of their need to be admired for their chivalry. And so ladies, if you want to bless your marriage, you need to learn how to tap in to this facet of your husband's nature. I'm sure everyone by now has seen the illustration of the difference between men and women as demonstrated by two electronic components. Have you seen this? And the one is a picture of, it looks like the face of an old, maybe a stereotype thing, and it it says women. And on the face of it is all kinds of dials and knobs and switches and meters and needles and gauges and lights and bulbs and buzzes. And there's dozens of them. The entire face of the component is covered with ways to adjust and turn this thing on and off. It says women. Right on top of it. There's another component with a simple toggle switch on, off. <laughs> it says men. <laughs> men are very simple. There was a book that came out, The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands. I recommend it. It says in the book taking care of men is not rocket science. You can boil it all down, men are simple. They want to be fed, they want to have sex, and they want to feel respected and admired by the women in their lives. That was a good place to take notes, right there. (laughs) Very simple. And when these needs are met in a man, there is a powerful force that's released in a relationship. This will cause the man to rise up and slay the dragons of life. And he will go to the ends of the earth to provide for and protect his family. One person said it this way, a husband's like a horse. At the end of the day, he's usually rode hard and put away sweaty. Like in the movies, if his master drives and beats him, he'll just go so far before bucking in rebellion. If you love him and coax him, he'll drive himself till his heart explodes Before he will let down his master, a man will give himself to the death for the one he loves. I want to look secondly, when the damsel becomes the dragon. (laughs) Now the devil has succeeded in undermining these powerful truths. There are two very powerful lies at work in society that have undermined this. The first is feminism. Feminism may have begun to cry equal pay for equal work or the right to vote, but that's not what modern feminism really is. Modern feminism is a fallacy that men and women are basically the same. Modern feminism is a, an attack on the scriptural revelation of roles and differences. Modern feminism insists that women are not the weaker vessel. It insists that women have been oppressed by men and the whole concept of roles is insulting. And it goes so far to say that men are brutish, egotistical, and need to get in touch with their feminine side. That's where it's come to. That is an assault on the very principle I'm talking about. Somebody said this of feminists. They see a unisex world, yet that world only exists in their naive imaginations. In the real world of humans... Women have a unique urge toward bonding and nesting and nurturing. Men have a unique urge toward protecting, providing, and conquering. That doesn't mean men can't nurture children or that women can't climb mountains. But it does mean that beneath the individual variations in constitution and temperament, men and women are different. Compatibility and harmony are best served when the difference is respected and yes, even enjoyed, instead of being denied or denigrated. Far from being oppressed in their marriages, most wives are the oppressors. This is written by a woman. Women tend to fight against the natural characteristics of men more than men fight against those of women. Feminism for the last 40, 50 years has assaulted this principle. Another uh, lie of this generation is that of socialism. Socialism is an atheist-based ideology. If you trace it back to its roots in Marx and Engels, you're talking about bitter men that rejected God. And in its end, socialism teaches that the state is the provider and the protector in society. The welfare system And the combination of welfare and feminism have made men unnecessary. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. This is our generation. Husbands are no longer needed as providers. And the result is illegitimacy. The result is rampant divorce. Divorce. And all you have to do is visit the inner cities of America or the reservation. And here are men with no outlet for their masculinity because they're no longer needed as providers. They're no longer appreciated as protectors. And so to prove their masculinity, they form gangs and they become violent As an outlet. God designed male testosterone and natural male aggression to be the thing that drives him to provide for and protect his damsel in distress. And a man will boldly confront the dragons of life unless... The dragon happens to be his wife. <laughs> Proverbs twenty-one, nineteen. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. That word contentious means contest. The root of that word means a contest or a quarrel. So what it's saying that it, in, the way men are wired is they are wired to be the warrior, they're wired to be the conqueror, and there is something in his nature that when he is battling for his wife and children, it calls out the most noble aspect of his character. But a man, and many men, will retreat into the wilderness of passivity, If his wife, instead of completing him, is competing with him. When God created man, he says, I will make a helper suitable. And a man needs a lover that will complete him, not an adversary to compete with him. And what's been released in our generation is not only the stripping of a man's dignity in being the provider and the protector of his wife and children. But many women morph from the damsel to the dragon. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this. One of them is the stress of children responsibilities. What can happen, ladies, is once the wife becomes a mother, she can forget to be a wife. And that doesn't mean that husbands, you know, shouldn't learn how to change diapers. Hello. Or be unaware of the realities of being a mother. And men need to learn how to help with children and and, uh, be there. But it's also upon the wife to remember that her husband is numero uno. And too often a woman can begin to communicate to her husband, I'm too tired for you. Somebody said, this puts fathers in the uncomfortable position of feeling competitive and resentful of their children, whom they love so much. They miss the affection, the companionship, and lovemaking they used to share with their wives. They feel put aside and shut out and unimportant. Just because you gave birth doesn't entitle you to ignore you're mad. You know what's a good way to prevent that? Make your bedroom holy ground. You need to hallow the bedroom, get a lock, have your kids sleep in the other room. <laughs> and they need to have permission to step into the Holy of Holies. These are what, this is one of the problems. Another struggle that women have been encouraged toward is an unrealistic attention toward emotions. Somebody said, my husband and I have been married for 10 years. When we were first married, I started to watch soap operas. I expected my husband to treat me like the lovers of the stars were treated, without the cheating, of course. I blamed my husband for unhappiness. If I was unhappy, I expected him to drop everything to make me happy. If he took me to dinner, I would feel neglected because he didn't buy me flowers. My friends would readily agree with me. And should not have to pick his dirty socks off the floor, I was miserable and so was he. God showed me how selfish I was. I learned that my friends should not be a sounding board. For my frustrations with my marriage, I have found that most of my griefs are selfish and unwarranted. The ones that are not selfish, I tell my husband about lovingly. I don't nag. I am patient. And he does fix it. Ladies, can I tell you something? Here's a quote from a woman. Your feelings are facts. And your feelings ought not be well Weapons. I'm sorry, let me, let me retrace it. Your feelings aren't facts, and your feelings ought not be weapons. See, the big buzzword in the marriage manuals of this generation are that a woman's emotions need to be validated. How many of you ever read that? Well, I'm going to tell you something. None of our emotions need to be validated. Most of our emotions need to be brought to the cross and assassinated. Let's be honest. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the men or the women. The heart is desperately wicked. And can I, let me just say something, you know, men battle lust. Isn't that true? Men battle lust. A lot of men think that once they get married and they can have sex without going to hell... That somehow they'll never battle lust. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's like one man said, you know, getting married for sex is like buying a 747 for the free peanuts. There's a lot more to this, but let's let's just let's just talk about this for a second. This is a marriage seminar, okay? The kids are in the other room, all right? (laughs) Men battle lust, don't they, ladies? What do you expect your man to do? Lust is a feeling. It's more than an emotion, but it is a feeling. It involves emotion. A very strong drive. And what do you expect your man to do? Reel it in. Don't you? Isn't that right? Men, you need to reel it in. You need, to avert, you need to keep your eyes where they need to be and you need to get an internet filter and, and uh, you need to uh, behave. You need to, you need to deny that feeling and, and ladies, you wouldn't, you wouldn't bat an eye to tell him, you know what? You need to reel that in, man. You need to control that. That ain't right. Because not everything you feel is right. But it's just as valid for men to say to your wives, you know what? I know you have a monthly cycle, but would you please reel it in? (laughs) A woman's battles are emotions. Somebody said marriage for him was 14 days of wine and roses and 14 days of thunder and lightning. (laughs) I saw a bumper sticker once that said, I have PMS and a handgun. Four car lengths all around this car, all by itself. (laughs) You know, emotions are not all real. And emotions do not have to be validated. Some emotions need to be repented of. And a man needs to deal with what he has to deal with, and a woman needs to deal with what she needs to deal with. And more men abandon their marriage ladies, because they feel belittled and emasculated than they do because they're seduced. I read a uh, uh, book called The Autobiography of Malcolm X years ago. I got absolutely nothing out of this book except one quote, amen. <laughs> and this had to do when he, uh, before he was a civil rights activist, he worked at a whorehouse. I do not want to know what he did, but apparently he worked at a whorehouse. For what? <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> so listen to what he said. This is, listen, listen to this. This is my one, one prize out of this book, so I'm going to use it here. He said, what astonished me was the full house crowd that rushed in between 6 and 7.30 in the morning, then rushed away about 9. It was husbands who had left the home and enough time to stop by before they went to work. Of course, not the same ones every day, but always enough of them to make up the rush. Domineering, complaining, demanding wives who had just about psychologically castrated their husbands were responsible for the early rush. These wives were so disagreeable and made their men so tense, they were robbed of the satisfaction of being men. To escape this tension and the chance of being ridiculed by his own wife, each of these men had gotten up early and come to a prostitute. I want to say very clearly here that this is no excuse for men to commit adultery. Men, you have no excuse to commit adultery. There is no excuse to commit adultery. But that's scriptural, because in Proverbs it says, of the foolish man who committed adultery, by her flattery she forced him said nothing about the fishnet stockings, said nothing about the plunging neckline. It speaks to a man who is so starved in his ego that he went to a whore. I want to close then very quickly with my hero. One man said these words, my wife feels that if she doesn't remind me again and again, something won't get done. But the fact is, it makes me feel like her child and that her mommy needs to check up on me. It's degrading. I want to be admired. I want to be acknowledged for being the breadwinner and making sure that we are all well taken care of. My greatest pleasure is when I feel like her hero, when I feel like her man, and not her boy. That's a message for the women of this generation. Our generation got a wake-up call in 9-11, didn't it? For me, it it was a delightful year of silence from the liberals. Anybody notice that? (laughs) Liberalism took a hit. And they didn't know what to say. I actually read articles by some liberals that said, My entire worldview is in question. It was so refreshing. It didn't last long. But the attitudes of our nation were touched in a profound way because people who were pacifists and anti war finally shut their mouths. You know, it's great to be anti war till you're attacked. And then it is fight or die. And another thing that happened right in the midst of this phenomena came the midterm elections for Congress and Senate. The conservative Republicans were voted into office in record numbers. It's interesting to note that they attributed the election of Bill Clinton to the soccer moms. But a few years later, In the midterm elections, conservative Republicans were voted in record numbers and the exit poll said women overwhelmingly voted for conservatives who are traditionally pro-military because they felt the conservatives would do more to protect them and their families. A wake-up call. And the truth is liberalism and feminism and the fornicators that promote it are fine until you need some men to kill people and break things. (laughs) Which is what soldiers do. That's their job. They kill people and break things. That's what men do. That's what God made men to do. And the problem is that modern society with its atheistic socialism and its modern feminism have created a Disneyland society where men are no longer needed. That's the problem in America. Women don't need men. And that's their battle cry. They make no bones about it. What did the one feminist woman say? A woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. That's their intention, is to relegate masculinity. I don't know if you've ever read any Louis L'Amour novels. Louis L'Amour is a, a writer who writes about the Western conquest of the pioneers and Louis L'Amour also has a worldview, and one of the, one of his worldviews, one of the thing, themes, you know, every Louis L'Amour book's the same. <laughs> it's about the quiet, tough guy. You don't mess with him. He'll clean your clock. You know, can ride anything with hair. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> but the, well, the other thing that happens, and you read Louis L'Amour books, and he has this worldview, and one of the one of his theories is very profound, and I believe this is true. He pointed out that something happened when the pioneers left the artificial safety of the cities in the east. And when they headed into the wild west, some very profound dynamics took place in the men and the women. He said the differences between men and women became very defined. Because of the realities of life, because of the danger, because of the nature of the work, men were needed in a greater way than they were in the industrialized city. Women had very little chance of surviving on the West without a strong man. So what happened is men began to work harder, They began to become more responsible because the women and the children were depending on them. It called out the best in those men. And because of the need, the women became more respectable, more quiet, more helpful, and did the duties they were better suited for. And his point is the dangerous realities of the West brought out the best in both sexes. Can I tell you something, ladies? Let me give you a secret. Do you want to bring out the best in your man? It's in your interest to cultivate the hero in your man. And that man you married is a hero. There's a hero in there. But you've got to learn to help him bring it out. Somebody said your basic male is a decent creature with simple desires to be his wife's hero, to be his wife's dream lover, to be the protector and provider for his family, to be respected and appreciated. Men will live to make their women happy when those things are in place. Ladies, remember, my hero. Turn to your husband right now. Practice. I want you to to, just look at him like my hero. Try. Go ahead. Just try it. It won't hurt. Seriously. Just ready? My hero. I'm telling you, this will work, man. It'll work all the way into the bedroom tonight. (laughs) Oh, hey, now, wait. If he comes out with a Lone Ranger mask and the Lariat, call for help. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. All right, I'm not talking about anything weird. I'm not. To lighten it up in here a little bit. Look at verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Listen to this that if even some do not obey the word, they without the word may be won by the conduct of the wives. That is a powerful. Do you realize what that's saying? That is saying, that is the only place it's saying, this is talking about men that aren't saved. Christian women with men who are not saved. He's saying, ladies, you can win them to Christ without the word of God. That's what it's saying. That is the only place in the Bible that that, that even says that. That there's something hardwired into the man that if the woman will just recognize that man as being her protector and her provider and be respectful toward him that can change him even when he's not answering the altar like you think he should. How many of you got your Bibles? I want you to read that. Tell me if it doesn't say that. You're staring at me like, (laughs) what? But let's bring it into this room. What that means is that even though he's not doing everything right, maybe he's not batting a thousand, you can change him by making him your hero. You're not going to change him by his nagging. You know, can I give you a little secret, ladies? Some men are just waiting for their wives to let them up for air long enough to do what's right. But some men will go to hell rather than let you emasculate them. That's not noble, but it is true. Billy Sunday said, some men will trade heaven for hell just to be stubborn. Ladies, you have the power to bring out the best in him. You'll never change him by nagging. And guess what? If you do, you'll end up despising him for being a wimp. There's something in women that want to be in charge, but they hate their husband if they let him. So The best thing to do is to take counsel of the Word of God. Somebody said, maybe there's a part of the small boy that never leaves the grown man. I don't know. All I know that if the husband has a wife who supports him, praises him for the positive things he does. He's the envy of all the other men who have to live with criticism, sarcasm, and constant reminders of their failures. No doubt you've heard the testimony of E.V. Hill, the dynamic black minister who served as senior pastor of the Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles. His wife, Uh, Jane died. At at her funeral, Dr. Hill describes some of the ways she made him a better man. He talked about as a struggling young preacher, he had trouble earning a living. He came home one night and found the house dark, and when he opened the door, he saw that Jane had prepared a candlelight dinner for two. He thought it was a great idea, and when he went into the bathroom to wash his hands, he tried unsuccessfully to turn on the light. Then he felt his way into the bedroom and flipped another switch. Darkness prevailed. The young pastor went back to the dining room and asked Jane why the electricity was shut off. She began to cry. You worked so hard and were trying, said Jane. I didn't have enough money to pay the bill and I didn't want you to know about it, so I thought we'd eat by candlelight. Evie Hill described his wife's words with intense emotion. She could have said, I've never been in this situation before. I was reared in the home of Dr. Carruthers, and we've never had our lights cut off. She could have broken my spirit. She could have ruined me. She could have demoralized me. Instead, she said, somehow or other, we'll get those lights back on, but tonight, let's eat by candlelight. That'll change your husband, ladies. Ladies. Somebody said, despite our ragged outward appearance, most men tend to have delicate psyches. I know four very happily married men. In each case, their wives make a point of stroking their egos and making them feel they approve of them. Consequently, these men practically worship their wives. This is a secret, ladies. My hero. There's something about those words. It'll cause your husband to do anything. Me and <laughs> uh, I'm going to open up my home a little here. Every now and then, my wife's honeydew list compiles to the point where I have to finally don my grungies and ball cap and help my damsel in distress. You guys have wives with honey-do lists here? I'm no preaching to anybody here. So this is the way we do it. We got this little thing where, okay, I'm going to help you today. So I put my tool belt on. You know, a man automatically walks different when he's got a tool belt on, you know? <laughs> what do you need, baby? She says, I need this done. Got it. So I go get it done, and I know there's something next on the list. But we have a little ritual. I go, I come back to her, I say, "Got it all done. Let me show you." She looks at, and she goes, she falls into my arms and says, "My hero." And I give her a big kiss. What's next? I need this done. Got it. Sit right there. Have some tea. I'm serious. We do that just the other day. Bring her in, got it done. She just swoons, my hero. Makes for a great day, makes for a great night. How many of you saw the movies, Rocky, the Rocky movies? Perfect. Here he is, he's all set to fight Apollo Creed, right? One problem, Adrian's not behind him, man. He's listless. His wife, not with him in it. This looking real bad for Rocky. He's gonna get his brains beat in, man. All of a sudden, somehow, he gets Adrian on board. Man, he is like working out like a maniac, man. Paulo Creed turned into his punching bag. And when it was all over in the glow of victory, whose name did he cry out? Adrian! That's my sermon tonight. That's why those movies were so popular. Ladies, if you want to give your husbands a present for Valentine's, give up the power struggle. And give him the dignity of being your hero. I want to start out with a challenge for the ladies. For 30 days... Don't speak ill of him to anyone. Anyone, no one. Greet him when he comes home from work with a big kiss and a smile and tell him how much you appreciate him working so hard. Don't dump on him with all your problems right away. We're going to talk about this in another session. Give him about 30 minutes to decompress. Tell him how grateful you are that he works. Feed him. Love him. Admire him. Respect him as the head of the home and the spiritual covering, and you see if things don't change. 30 days. Why 30 days? They say 30 days is what it takes to create a habit. Mark in your heart, 30 days. Not one critical word. My hero for 30 days, and see if he doesn't begin to apply himself. And if you listen real close in the background music of life, you might just hear. And when he wins, see who he runs to. See whose name he calls out. Because all he wants is for the woman he loves to swoon just a little bit and say, my hero. Let's bow our heads tonight. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It's Fascinating to consider that of all the illustrations that God could have chosen to illustrate salvation, He chose a marriage. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. The only time God ever became a man, the person of Jesus Christ, died on the cross, rose from the dead. The Bible says that Christ is the bridegroom, and the church is the bride. He gave Himself for the church. If you're in here, first of all, maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior. Perchance you came, you're not saved. Do you know God really loves you? God invented marriage. He wrote the instruction manual. And If you're here and perhaps you're not saved, you're not right with God, you're backsliding. We just want to take a moment to allow you to be able to connect with the God that loves you and repent of your sins and be saved and with every head bowed, every eye closed, I wonder if there's anybody at all say, Pastor Payne, I'm here and I need salvation. First of all, if your marriage is going to work, you need a foundation, Jesus said, so that your house will not be destroyed by life. How many of you would lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not saved. Maybe you're a backslider. You say, tonight, I want to get my heart right with God on this first session. I want to get right with God. Lift your hand all over this place. We're not going to embarrass you. Somebody will pray with you. And God will deal with your heart. Amen. And changing the appeal. Isn't it fascinating? Christ died. Laid down his life. Poured out his life's blood. For the vulnerable church. Like sheep without a shepherd. You know what, ladies? Ladies? You're here, you want to change, you want your husband to change. What a profound thing for the Word of God to say that even when men ignore portions of the Word of God, you can change him with your respectful conduct as the weaker vessel. I know society has built a Disneyland that has caused the need for real masculinity to seem unimportant. But that is a lie from hell, and it has created a generation of very unhappy women, very dysfunctional marriages, and emotionally destroyed children. And there's women in here God's dealing with you. You need to complete him, not compete with Him. He desperately needs you to let him be your hero. And if you'll do that, if you'll touch that in him, I'm telling you, it'll take your breath away. What your man will do for you and the children will astonish you because God's wired him that way. And I might throw in, men, it's upon you to rise up. Give that home something to respect. But I'm going to give an entire session to that. But God's dealing with some marriages in here. Things are out of order. If you'll begin to just begin to adjust some of these fundamentals, God will do a miracle in your lives. We're not going to have the, an altar call like we traditionally have. There's just no room for that. But I want to take time to pray. And there's people here, God's dealing with you about an area of your life. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. There's men in here, there's women in here. God has dealt with you very specifically. And as a point of reference, before we pray, you're gonna. I want you to lift your hands and say, God's speaking to me about some things in my life. Yes, 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 yes. Hands are going up. Men and women, husbands and wives. How many more? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. How many other? Ladies, you lift your hand. Say, God's dealing with me. I need to put aside the feminism of my secondary education. I need to set aside the reference points of my parents and my society. And I need to begin to obey God. You lift your hand and join these. Yes. Amen. How many more? Yes. Quickly. There's men in here. God's dealing with you. Hallelujah. Lift your hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's begin to pray right at our seats. I want you to begin to do business with God. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I'm asking you, God, for healing. I'm asking you for revelation. I'm asking you for grace. God, I'm asking you to move in homes and marriages this weekend, God. God, I break the power of witchcraft and deception. Every false reference point, every pride, every rebellion... I'm asking you by the Holy Ghost, God, to bring healing right now in couples and lives and reference points. Lord, touch the women of this generation, God, to understand the power of the headship and the covering that you've provided. Help men to rise up and be who they've called to be. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Let's just give God praise as Pastor Mitchell comes. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to be dismissed um, tomorrow morning. Our first seminar starts at 9 o'clock. We are not going to be in this room. We're going to be in the Granite Mountain Room. That is the room we are in last year next to the restaurant. On around the corner closest to the restaurant is the Granite Mountain Room. And so that's 9 o'clock, our schedule. We have the first seminar at 9. After we finish the first one, there will be a a coffee break uh, for a time and then a second seminar in the morning. So we should be uh, finished, I would say, 11-ish around there, sometime a little after 11 tomorrow if you're needing to make plans for that. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Uh, Steve Klein, you dismiss us in prayer.